And that's what friends are all about. Yep. Okay, that's what I'm going to use for the cold open. Because <laughs> it's completely <laughs> out of context and nobody will know what we're talking about. Set your phasers to sexy. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of True North Nerds. Yay! Yay! This oh, week, the one is. <laughs> High energy! Yay! <laughs> this week, we're going to go through the news, and we're going to do a review of the last season of She-Ra. And, and the show on a whole, I think, will... We'll end up talking about, but we have all caught up on the last season, so it's uh, it felt like a good time to review it because it's still fresh in everybody's minds. But it's it's late enough that we shouldn't be spoiling too much. And just to warn you now, there will probably be spoilers. There will definitely <laughs> be spoilers. What me spoil something? Um, in the meantime, let's start off like we always do with the news. I know there's not a huge amount of it, but Ryan, what do you got? Well, I got a few things here. Um, so not that long after our last episode, like two big news, well, not as big, depending on you know what you think. Uh, there were two news stories that came out. Uh, first, uh, Ruby Rose has left Batwoman. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah. you know, the, the the season finale aired, and it was like two days later, she announced she was leaving the show. Hmm. And it sounds to be sort of mutual. Yeah, so I've been trying to find out, like just reading whatever I can find that pops up that talks about it. Now, what it sounds like is that she pretty much comes down to she wasn't enjoying enjoying it, whether it was, I don't know, stress or, you know, or what, but she just, she wasn't really having a, a good time doing it. And it sounded like that was her not having a great time was kind of spreading to other people. You know how this kind of becomes contagious when something you can tell when, when someone there is not having a good time and though everybody yeah. else is. Uh, so I guess when, the end of the year came around and they all sat down to see you know, the review of the year. And I guess it came up that, you know, maybe she wasn't happy and thought about leaving and they were like, okay, no problem. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of those things that like, it could be a couple of things on that front. Like some people just don't realize like she had never done a TV series before. Okay. And, yeah, she was mostly uh, the, a theatrical actress. Yeah, and some people don't realize the amount of time and work. Like, yeah, you get, like, kind of the summer off in filming, right? But the, when you're filming, it's it can be, especially when you're the lead of the show, yeah. it can be a lot of work, like a lot of days. And uh, I, I would assume, uh, given the look of the show... It's also a lot of night shoots, and that can wear on you something fierce. So yeah, it, it, it sounds like, and you know, from all the reports, it sounds kind of like maybe that's what it was. Was 
she yeah. just didn't realize what she was getting into when she said yes and instead of carrying on and being a complete like completely ruining the show in season two she and the producers decided that she could go yeah have you seen any of the names of people who've put their names forward to um take over I've only seen the one. Uh, yes. What's her face from uh, Brooklyn Nine? Stephanie Beatrice. Yeah. I think she'd be good. I think she'd be fine, and, and the fact and she seems enthusiastic about like, really wanting it, which is always, you know, you, you you like seeing people that at least have some kind of attachment to the character or, you know, enthusiasm for the characters get cast in these kind of roles right mm-hmm. yeah the only problem is is she's on a little show called brooklyn 99 yeah but they, they're only making 13 episodes per season right now yeah it, it so kind of it would depending on scheduling and stuff like that and what her contract reads like like some of yeah. those contracts are are written as such that you can't do another television show like she could maybe she can go off and do movies but well uh, i know that both she and Melissa Fumero did a guest spot on One Day at a Time last season. So, but it was just a one-off. It yeah. was a guest role. It wasn't a lead. And and you know what? She might be able to, but it would be the scheduling would be the hard part. Oh, for sure. But yeah, not a bad idea. And it, it would stick with that she is openly bisexual, so it sticks with the mm-hmm. the producers have come out and said we're we are going to. Inve- like we are going to recast the part with an actress who is a LGBTQ person of of some sort, I guess. So it's like they have they they did that the first place with Ruby Rose. They're going to stick with that for the casting for the foreseeable future, which is which is good. And it's you know it's a major gay character to be played by someone along the same sort of line. Sure. Exactly. If you can find an actress that fits the role and and has the same kind of lifestyle, then why not? Lifestyle being gay or her lifestyle being a vigilante at night. The same difference, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. She wants to run across the rooftops of Vancouver, avenging the downtrodden. Who's going to argue with her? So I have a feeling I know what the next big story that we we missed out on is. Well, probably because I since I said the two, it's now it's hard for me to you know to I could bury the lead and not talk about it till later. But <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, so the internet has 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 gotten its way, and we will be getting the Snyder cut of Justice yeah. League. But it doesn't two- exist. Exactly. That's why. That's why this. they're pouring at least forty million dollars into it. Yeah. Well, yeah. The one. The one quote I said. The guy. Yeah. He was like, "It's at least 30 He's like, I, "The one. Oh, shit. What the? Yeah. I, I still have the the window open. Yeah. Warner Media Chairman Bob Greenblatt was was on a podcast, uh, Recoda Media, and uh, he was. Here's this quote. It isn't as easy as going into the vault and there's a Snyder Cut sitting there to put out. It does not exist. <laughs> Zach is actually Wait. building it, and it's complex, including new VFX shots. It's a radical rethinking of that movie, and it's, co- it's complicated and wildly expensive. I'll just say, I wish it was just $30 million and stopped there. 
It's an enormous undertaking and very complex. End quote. Yeah, yeah it's it. I, I feel a little vindicated by that because I've been saying for the get go this this movie this version of the movie does not exist in a finished form. That's why like these leaks that Zack Snyder has been doing for the last what two years. Have been animatics, rough, like rough special effects, storyboards. Like the, yeah. a lot of it's not stuff that was actually filmed, which means they have to figure out what they're going to do in those regards. Uh, the all CGI. It, it was in, like the way they CGI'd away Superman's mustache. Wait till you see all CGI Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, um, well, that scene won't be in it because that's a Whedon scene. Yeah. The, that, uh, or at least that first one when he's talking to the kids. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm curious to see it. Like, I'll watch it. Well, yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's, <laughs> the, the report, too, is that, you know, it's going to probably be about four hours long. Yeah. And that it, actually they may break it up into six episodes. Hmm. Because it's going to be, and we didn't. I didn't mention uh, it's going to be coming to HBO Max. Yeah, the, right. This is one of their selling points now. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I found interesting was um, the uh, Eric Vespi, who is better known to a lot of internet movie fans as Quint, uh, was talking about he did uh, like a week of set visits when they were filming the movie, like originally. Hmm. And he was saying that, like, he, he, the one thing he he thought of was there's going to be some fanboys out there of this idea of getting the dark and brooding Justice League movie who are going to be disappointed because he's like, there's a lot of the lot of the comedy that people are complaining about in the in the original cut or the theatrical cut, I guess I should say now or the Whedon cut. Yeah, so a lot of the a lot of the humor that he's like everybody takes for granted is Joss Whedon stuff mm. was in there originally, like when Quint was on set while yes. everything was filming. So he's like, if you're expecting like, and Snyder, it's even said that he was going to get away a little bit from the dark and brooding tone of Batman vs Superman. So yeah. there might be some people when this comes out that are going to be a little bit on the annoyed side because some of the stuff they thought was going to be exercised <clears throat> is still going to be there. Yeah. Well, when you have characters like Flash and Aquaman in your movie, you know, you can't make it 100% dark and broody. Mm. Those just aren't dark and broody characters. I'm surprised they were able to make Superman as dark and broody as he was. Yeah, but even in Justice League, he's not that dark and broody, right? Like, right. It, Or not as much as he was in... Man of Steel and uh, Batman versus Superman. Right. So, and that'll be one of the things because if we're, if you're, you know, from what we've been led to believe that existed in the original cut or the Snyder cut, we're, that's, we'll get to see the black costumes, like black outfit Superman in this. Yeah. And that he'll be working for Darkseid. Uh, and Darkseid's in this for a bit or something, being mind controlled. Something going along those lines, but then also that's the other thing. Dark side or dark side, dark side. How do you pronounce his name? Dark I've side. Too, dark side. Oh yeah, it's, I just want to make sure. I've heard. I always think it's ways. dark seed too. Yeah, it's, it's, because of how it's weird. spelled. Yeah. Yeah. 
So he's going to be in this movie where he's not in the theatrical cut. Yeah. Uh, also, apparently, possibly Martian Manhunter. As a I member of the no, team? he was he was teased at some points in the uh, in the storyboards and stuff that Snyder put out. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me. Like I said, I, I'm curious to see it. The only thing that I don't like about it in some ways is a certain very vocal bit of the internet now has completely and utterly gotten their way. And this has now opened up like floodgates of, oh, yes. of requests for other versions of movies. Well, you could also argue that the fan base got their way for the last Star Wars movie, too. Yeah. In and a then, lot of ways. And then a lot of ways, those like the extremists on both sides didn't like it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, like, this kind of thing has been going on since the 60s with the safe Star Trek people back then. Yeah. But, but this, I don't know. This has a different tone to it. You know yeah, what I mean? Was the safe start? I don't know what the safe Star Trek movement exactly was, but it was, was it more for continuing the show or was it dictating what the plot of every episode should be? It was just for continuing, continuing the, the show. show. Yeah, see, that's yeah. different. There's a, these people are actually actively saying, this is what your plot should be. And right. that's not what the, like, that's not what fans should be doing. Right. Like we've already gotten the the first whiffs of that this now are David Ayer who directed and wrote uh, Suicide Squad has come out and said well you know my my version of the movie was different than the theatrical version that <laughs> we saw so yeah. now there's this movement to get his cut out which yeah. honestly his cut exists <laughs> like it's it, his version of the movie was was shot and shown <laughs> to executives and then yeah. edited and then down re-edited. right like his, that was, his, his would apparently... cost like a million or two maybe to to get done yeah. not take it back together plus uh his apparently has his cut has more joker in it because that's what we all wanted. Was oh. Then I don't want to see it. No. <laughs> There's apparently scenes that take place between when the helicopter crashes and the and the Harley breakout. So sometime between that and the end, we see the Joker with a, uh, and I think that the photos have come out. And he's got like all like kind of like hot, all burnt up or like he's partially burned. So he so just you know looked like he just survived a, a helicopter, yeah, helicopter crash. crash. Yeah. Uh, or something, or maybe he makes some deal with the Enchantress or something like this to make sure Harley survives. And yeah, yeah. I was just reading about it the other day. I was like, Ugh. I, I it's it's we're now on a slippery slope. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, well, here know. this one was just added to this. So now apparently there's a a new fan petition uh, from Star Wars fans petitioning for the four hour Revenge of the Sith cut. Oh. Ugh. What? Okay. Okay. So, oh, fuck off. <laughs> it's, okay. So maybe a lot of people don't realize this, and this is my film nerd coming out in full force. When a movie is first cut and they show what is usually referred to as an assembly cut of a movie, it tends to be on the long side. Like, and it's because it's the basically. The director puts in almost everything, and then from there starts cutting away. It's never—it's a version 
that is never meant to be seen by the public. It is not like the director's cut. It's an assembly. It's the it's the like the base point where they start looking at it of how do we make all of this into a movie. That doesn't mean we should see it. It it, it, it is interesting from like a film nerd point of view to see these things. I'm like, oh, that's what they changed. But like, does anybody want to see the 12 hour long version of uh, Inglorious Bastards Mm. and shit like that? And for the most part, I would imagine that what they cut out from that four hour version or 12 hour version is boring. Like it doesn't further the plot. It's not, it's, probably like you you'd watch it and you go well that just made the movie boring because that's why they cut it out yeah and you and like it, it's stuff that they realize isn't going to go anywhere and things of that nature right like yeah. the best way of explaining it is if you want an idea of what this stuff is it, you can see it more on DVDs than Blu-rays because DVDs were the wild west of extra footage and stuff yeah. go through and watch like a bunch of deleted scenes on a Blu-ray or a DVD disc. Yeah, nine most of the times time out of boring. ten, they're kind of interesting from the point of view of like, oh, so that was in there. That was kind of interesting, but you figure mm-hmm. out pretty quickly why it was taken out in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I will watch the Snyder cut, but I'm just hoping that like. Like, his situation is very different than your average director's. Like, you know, he had a family tragedy and left the project halfway through. That doesn't mean that we need, like, you know, the the eight-hour cut of of Batman versus Superman or or whatever else might be uh, uh, going around in there, so... Um, What do you have next? Uh, up next, uh, okay, so uh, I just saw this one today. Um, remember that TV show that was announced for Disney Plus called, it was the, the kids game show Jedi Temple Challenge? Yep. It was a kids, like a children's game show. Uh, hosted by Ahmed Best, right? Yes. Yeah. So a trailer for it came out. Um, and, and it looks okay. Like, it looks like a, like a fun little kid's challenge so they do some athletic challenges and some some like there's a intelligence challenges and but uh, the one big thing that came out so it's got a release date of june 3rd uh along with uh, a change of uh of hostings it's oh. now going to be premiering on the star wars kids youtube channel oh and not, not disney, disney plus. plus yeah well that's, yeah, that's probably weird. better more people can see it well, yeah, more people will see it, but yeah, it's weird that it was one of these shows that I they announced as coming to Disney Plus. Yeah, I want my money back. I signed up for oh. Disney Plus yeah. just for this Star Wars this Temple Star Wars game Jedi show, thing. and now it's going to be free for everybody. <laughs> How dare they? Like you aren't getting your money's worth already, Kevin? Oh, maybe. <laughs> might play into my geek pick later. <laughs> Next, uh, that's it for me. I, like uh, I said, I didn't have much. I know well, Kevin's got something. I've got two two big things. One, right after we recorded last time, the announcement was made of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, 
the new Captain Christopher Pike um, Star Trek series. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, um, so I'm very excited about that. Lots of Star Trek fans are very excited about that. A, a lot of people are thinking that this will mean a return to episodic style Star Trek as opposed to season long arc style Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be a mixture. Um, because it's just the nature of 21st century television. You need yeah. continuity and, and a plot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially in the era of binging. Right. We don't know much about the show, except that it picks up where season two of Star Trek Discovery left off, and it will star Anson Mount, Rebecca Romaine, and Ethan Peck. Um, so they're going to need to cast a few more people. Um, there's been an interesting... Pe- Speaking of fan petitions, this is more a fan wishful thinking, and it got back to the actor. Um, in the original um, pilot of Star Trek called The Cage, mm. Captain Pike, there's a scene, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a scene where Pike has a meeting with his doctor, who also doubles as his bartender. And the doctor's name was Dr. Boyce. And uh, some fans online have determined that he really looks amazingly like Jeffrey Combs, the actor who's played about a dozen different characters on Star (laughs) Star Trek. Trek. (laughs) So they started um, a Twitter, a Twitter poll and a Twitter petition to get to cast Jeffrey Combs as Dr. Boyce. And it got back to Jeffrey and he's like, yeah, I don't know if they'd want me or if, if I'm right for this anyway. So uh, I think that's just a bit of fun. It's not uh, people trying to, um, trying to uh, change the franchise in any kind of way. But I still mm-hmm. think that's kind of fun. So Yeah, those kinds of things are fun because especially if the if the actor comes out and says, Yeah, yeah, that would be fun, but haha, I'm not I can't do it. And then people back off. Yeah. Like yeah. sometimes you get it to the point where the actor says, No, I can't do it, then they're like, Well force him to do it. And then that's just when things go well, overboard. Well uh, the best example of that is uh what's his name? Donald Glover as Miles Morales. Yeah. To the point where Sony had to go to him and ask him, like, could could you tell them to stop? Like, yeah. we have yeah. plans, and yeah. they don't really include this at all. Mm. Like, we like you, and we'll figure out something, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, I and have he, he seen... I have seen at least one unfortunate social media posting where somebody said, oh, thank God we find." I don't know if it was tongue-in-cheek, but it seemed serious. Thank God we, we're, it's a return to a show starring a straight white man. Oh, fuck that. But, you know, we... Oh, I guess we do know about Captain Pike's sexuality because he, he ends up with the, with the mutilated girl on the illusion planet. Spoiler yeah. for a 50-year-old TV episode. Um, now i haven't seen the cage in probably a decade if not more is is most of the original crew of the enterprise present in that like it it, like is we know spock is but is there like is there a checkoff is scotty in there no there there are other characters um there was a character named jose tyler who was the helmsman uh, of course, number one was the first officer. Um, yeah. There was a yeoman. I can't remember her name. She had red hair. Uh, we never saw the engineer, so there could be a Scotty, but it could be somebody else too. Uh, well, so. it, it just it, to me that that's probably works in their advantage because now they don't other they've got Spock, so you have your Touchstone character, mm-hmm. but you don't and, have to recast 
Like you we don't are have to try still... and find people to get these iconic roles all over again. Right. And we are still 10 years from the beginning of the original series. Yeah. So there's lots of time to set some stories. We also know the fate of, of Captain Pike, right? Mm-hmm. So there is sort of an end point for the show as well, which is yeah. kind of interesting. Whether they'll make that a plot point of the show, I don't know. Um, we don't know anything about where number one ends up. She never appeared again after the original pilot. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think that's the character that I'm most interested in learning more about. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I like the idea of the show. And you know what? Making it a little bit more episodic than Discovery isn't a bad idea because then you have your choice, right? No. It's like if, if you really, if that whole like huge arc in Discovery isn't your cup of tea, you, you can go to the other one. Or yeah. you can be like us and watch both. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, I was thinking about you this. like good TV. I was thinking about this the other day, and everybody makes a big deal about Marvel being the first shared universe, but really, uh, Star Trek was doing this back in the 90s, right? There were there were two, th- like, Next Gen ended, DS9 overlapped it, Voyager started, so there were always two TV shows on at the same time, and then there were movies that were we- woven yeah, in and out. You know, there were other TV shows that did that too before Star Trek. True, but you know, not in as quite as big a way. Like no, Star Trek but, was a real shared universe kind of thing. So, yeah, but it it, it it's not to the same. Oh, uh, it wasn't plotted like that, like Marvel. Yeah. But yeah. it was but more coincidental, the theatrical. Yeah, I think now it is though, right? Uh, you know, with the announcement of Strange New Worlds, that makes the third live-action TV show. We know that um, Philippa Giorgio is supposed to be getting her own show uh, about yeah. Section 30. There's the two animated series, uh, the one that uh, we've been getting quite a bit of chatter about in the last week or two called uh, Lower Decks. And then the one that we have we know next to nothing about, which is on going to be on Nickelodeon when it drops. It's more aimed at kids. Plus, um, there's chatter about movies and, uh, you know, and um, CBS Viacom, now that they've remerged, uh, they had their earnings call last week and they were talking about the strong franchises they have and Star Trek was right at the top and they're going to be rebranding CBS All Access down in the States this year and I think Star Trek is going to be even more prime to be their their sort of prime um prime a bit more prominent in all yeah. their ending and stuff yeah yeah well, let, let's sense. be let's be honest here in terms of movie stuff movies uh, on a whole are just up in the air right now right is like especially like who would have thought that the possible downfall of movie theaters at least in the states is due to trolls too like because that's the one that uh universal decided to send out to video on demand first yeah it was the one that is trolls on the internet and killed movie theaters oh no and thank you jen you're welcome i got you ryan the, the, yeah, I'm just ignoring it. <laughs> Remember, the, the more you ignore me, the louder I get. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it be, because it's one of those weird things. The theaters are like, well, look at how much money it made on video demand. We could have had that money. But yeah, theaters, would you really have had that money? 
Do you mm. think that no, it's like these are extenuating circumstances. Yeah. The reason Trolls World Tour did so well on uh, on video on demand is because parents around the world, especially in North America, were sick of Frozen 2 <laughs> and wanted something else to watch. True. Very like, true. Seriously, that's part of what it was. Yeah. And it's not like would that have translated into butts and seats in theaters? Probably not. Well, here's an example to follow that up. How did Scoob do? Scoob did uh, fairly well as as well, but oh, okay, I hadn't yeah, heard. But, the, and I'm not hearing the same buzz around it as uh, like not, numbers wise as yeah as Trolls. I, do, I don't think it did quite as well as Trolls, but like, uh, I I'm not sure if they're still like. Because Scoob is apparently the start of the Hanna Barbera verse. I've heard and that. What, yeah. You, oh, and if you watch it, then you'll totally understand why. Because they they go around and introduce all kinds of like you know being someone of our age, and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe like there's Captain Caveman. Yes. I always liked Captain Caveman. Me too. <laughs> That's why I was excited when he when he showed up. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I have seen Scoob. Yeah, I'm just looking for numbers now, not. but... He, yeah, he I'm did. looking on Wikipedia, and I'm not seeing anything here. Yeah, I also it, think uh, that a lot of people probably watch Trolls not only uh, to get out of Frozen 2, but I think it was probably more affordable for families to rent Trolls this way and watch it at home than it would have well, been to take them all to the theaters. Yeah, Here's that's what, exactly it. Especially it's if you like, have more than one kid. Here's what it says on uh, Wikipedia. It says, Scoop was the top-rented film on Prime Video, Google Play, Fandango Now, and the iTunes Store in its opening weekend. Although Warner Brothers has yet to report actual figures, the film had a higher count than Trolls World Tour, which made $40 million in its first three days. Wow. It made a top-rented film across all services in its second weekend. Wow. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's Scoob. Uh, where's this? Indie Wires reporting Scoob and Capone both pulled uh, very strong uh, VOD numbers, as well as uh, they became kind of defaultish number one at the box office because they were both apparently playing at a couple drive ins throughout North America. No. <laughs> like a the, few, the ones that reopened. In Scoob, that they really like, they they, they they grab a hold of the old nostalgia and they just start like pulling on it. Uh, I, I listened to an interview the old- with the director, and he was saying that the hardest thing was um, turning Scooby Doo into a three dimensional character because. When you look at the old 2D cartoons, Scooby-Doo looking straight on and Scooby-Doo in profile are two very different shapes, and they don't match up when you try to turn Mm. that into a 3D character. They had to fudge (laughs) everything, which is why certain characters are always positioned a certain direction or a certain way when you're looking at the new Scoob movie. Oh, really? I didn't even notice that, but I I just, there's parts like, if you remember the old cartoon and that opening, where you see yep. them running around and they're being chased, like the one at one point. I think well, one of them is like the uh, like the, the the scuba scuba diver guy that's chasing them. Mm-hmm. There's a few of those scenes that they recreate like shot for shot as part of the like montages oh, of cool. showing them on their different adventures and stuff in this movie. So it's just like they kind of like incorporate the things you've known and seen. I think some of these happen. You're like, oh my god, I remember. Th- like the, the scene, like this, they remade this. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the other piece of news I have uh, just came out today. Uh, and that is that Disney has announced the reopening of their theme parks in Florida. Wow. It's, it's a little bit later than we expected. Um, Universal announced a week or so ago that they're opening next week on June 5th. Um, Disney is going to be opening the Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom on July 11th. And Hollywood Studios and Epcot will be opening later that week on July 15th. Now, um, the uh, resort hotels are sort of staggered in opening. All of the sort of vacation club hotels, part of their timeshare program, and their campground actually are going to open on June 22nd, so a few weeks before the parks. Um, Here's the thing. They're not selling tickets. They're only opening the parks to people who have existing tickets or reservations. Oh. Now, if you have a season pass, does that count? It does, yes. Okay. But they also have a reservation policy where you now have to make a reservation for the park you want to attend that day. So there's no park hopping, and there's no, and you have to let them know you are coming. You can't just show up. There, that's how they're capping the 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 park, the attendance at the park. I guess that works. Or hopefully. Yeah. There will not be any parades or fireworks uh, because that involves people standing in close groups or any shows that require people to stand in, in large groups. Those will all be canceled. Um, I don't believe they are doing character meet and greets either. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Well, part of me hopes that I'm completely wrong. I'm being way too cautious about this stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, that that th- those just seem like... I know I, I know for Disney, as much as people probably want to position this as like, oh, they're a heartless corporation. Like, y- y- they are a corporation. And yeah, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they are bleeding money. Oh, they're losing right a billion now. dollars a day. Yeah. Because of like, think of all the stuff they bought and the theme parks have been for the last couple of years. What has supported all of that? Yes. And, you know, and it's. Uh, uh, is commerce worth more than people's lives? No. Uh, but I also get that, like, you know, part of it, it, there's like this weird corporate responsibility of to open up so people have jobs again, too. Like, it, it, it's just a. 80,000 people the work at Walt Disney art. World. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, yeah. my. Uh, uh, well, a relative, city. a relative of mine, his wife is an Imagineer and they got furloughed. Yeah. You know, and they're without getting into too many details. They work in the both of them work in the theme park industry. Mm-hmm. He he's got work right now, but you know it's it it's one of those things that like for how long with the world shut down? Yeah, will any of that continue? And it is a lot of tough decisions have to be made. But part of me is like, oh, Florida is just. It, it's it seems to be going like at rocket speed and as opposed to slow. Yeah, at least yeah, that, from that an outsider's point be, of view. That's Florida in a nutshell. <laughs> now, either way, as of right now, and I, I don't think by even middle of July, the border hasn't reopened, so we couldn't go anyway. Mm. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I just found it interesting. Oh, also, all guests must wear masks, and they're trying to come up with a. They're calling them relaxation zones people will be able to take their masks off uh, in, a, in a, a, a location that they've set up. I'm not sure how that's going to work. 
Uh, I yeah. think, uh, and they're also um, really pushing mobile ordering for food so that there's no um, transfer of cash or face-to-face interactions with a with a cashier. And um, I think you're going to see more virtual queues as well so that people aren't standing in lines. Because how do you police social distancing in those kinds of queues? I don't know how you can. Yeah, but that's something they should do anyway, is have virtual queues. Nobody wants to stand in line for five hours. The problem is the the parks are designed to have queues. Yeah. If you if you take out all the people who are standing in the queues, you now have t- thousands more people standing in the streets. Yeah. They can always right? be dancing in the streets. Yeah. Uh, uh, you you haven't been Thank in, you, in the parks when they're very busy, <laughs> so I couldn't imagine dumping more people out. Like the, you'd be amazed at how how many people those queues hold, and uh, and it's vital to the the regular function of the park. So. Yeah. I guess they're just going to have to figure out the new regular function of the park. Yeah. Maybe that's just, yeah. like you were saying, is limiting the amount of people that can go in because they can't have thousands of people in queues at all times. Okay, so I'm going to end the news with something that's uh, a little bit of a down note. Oh, but boo. I kind of want to talk about it because it's... It, it sort of touches on something that that bothers me from uh, time to time. So uh, last week, la- I think it would have been Friday for us, or possibly Saturday morning. Uh, Hannah Kimura, who is a Japanese female wrestler, and if you watch a reality show on Netflix called Terrace House, she was in the latest season of that. And like that's that's a show that's available like on our Netflix. It's not just Japan. It's like all over the place. Uh, she uh, committed suicide. She posted up a couple photos on her Instagram of what's been described as self harming that were mm. deleted shortly after, and then basically what amounted to a suicide note. And by the time anybody got uh, back to like checked her out, she was gone. And her, the reason why I bring this up is her suicide has basically been completely linked to the fact that she was being bullied online. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah, this um, is horrible. She, she was more or less uh, portrayed as a little bit of a villain on the reality show. Now, granted, that was only in the like the last two episodes or something like that. And she had, and that show was supposed to continue, but filming had to be shut down due to Corona. Uh, so we never got the rest of the series. Who knows whether it would have been one of those things that she would have redeemed, redeemed herself on like her character on that show or not. And the, the show has now been outright canceled. Like that, the, the season has been just ended and who knows whether they'll get another one now. But because of of how she was seen through that show and a couple other things, she's of mixed race. So in Japan, unfortunately, that can still sometimes be a target for bullying and being picked on and things of that nature. And, you know, she was 22. Mm. And this this it, it just it's terrible to read about this. And maybe I'm getting more 
empathic as I'm getting older with stuff like this, but it's like, you know, I think of myself at 22 and going through that kind of stuff, and people can say all that you want, that like, oh, well, she was famous, and she should have known what she was signing up for and all this, and like, no. Yeah, that's bullshit. It's, that's Empathetic, and, not empathic. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, sorry. sorry. He could be empathic. Uh, you might be developing mutant powers. You never know. <laughs> but on a whole, Sorry, it's I just... didn't mean to stop your... No, it's okay. But it's just like, I, I guess what I want to get out is, you know, the, the internet is a great thing in a lot of ways. Use it to be great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. use it for fun. Use it for positivity. If you don't like something... That's fine. You're entitled to that opinion, but don't like trash like an actor or a director or somebody who is creative on it. Like to like, you know, there's one thing about being like a, making a critique of something, and there's another thing of just being an asshole. Yeah, I've never really understood the whole appeal that people have to log on to someone's Twitter or Facebook or somewhere just to tell them you think they're ugly Mm. or that they look stupid or like when you see those, you know, the Jimmy Kimmel, the celebrity, the mean tweets tweets. and it's like, you see them reading it and it's like some of the, the stuff that gets tweeted out to them. It's like, really? Like you had to spend like any time of your life to put that out there. Why? Like, how did that make you feel? Did you feel like a big man after that? Well, that's why, because it does make them feel like a big man or a big, a powerful person. It's it's giving them some some power and probably a life that they don't have a lot of control. And it's awful and it's terrible and it shouldn't be done. But that's what a lot of bullying stems from, is just trying to feel power over somebody. And unfortunately, the anonymity of the internet makes it so easy to do it to people that you don't even know. Just for no reason. Yeah, and like, it's pretty and awful. You, and you know, you don't know what people are, are going through either. Like, on one side of it, you could see this woman as being at, like, the top of the world. Because she would, she had she not passed away, she would have been the number one or number two star in stardom, which is the main... Japanese female wrestling league, which is now owned by the same company that owned uh, New Japan. Like mm-hmm. she, she, she was positioned like she was going to be the the huge next big thing in their league, and you know this happened. And it's she's not the only one, unfortunately. As um, W H Park, who works uh, for our friends uh, John and Way. Uh, over at uh, Post Wrestling, he he does some Japanese. He lives in Japan, so he does a lot of their Japanese-based podcasts. He mentioned the fact that, like, if you look at Stardom, like, there's a lot of the girls there who get out at like 30, 35, and it's not so much because they're old. He figures it's because they they just don't want to deal with the bullshit that goes along with it with social media and yeah. and things of that nature. Which, like, that's rough. So. I, I guess what I really want is uh, if you're on the internet, 
be nice. Don't uh-huh. be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't yep. know, like, I can positively say I've probably been a dick every once in a while on the internet. Um, but, you know, it's I try to be better. <laughs> so, can we just we'll, uh, quickly talk about one more pause? Let's end the news on a little more positive thing. Okay. Um, HBO Max launched today in the States uh, as we're recording this. Did it actually launch today? Launched today, yeah. In the US. Yeah, in the US. And people are like, oh, why can't we get it in Canada? And that's because Warner Brothers, it's actually a Warner Brothers streaming service. Um, I guess they own HBO. And they thought HBO would be a better name to put on it than WB. But anyway, they have a um, a long term deal with. Bell Media. So most of their programming is going to Crave. Uh, so if you uh, want to see uh, if you want to see the new uh, HBO Max uh, programming, it will be on Crave. As of today, the new shows that are on there are uh, nothing I really need to see. Craftopia, a kids crafting competition show. Ooh, Legendary, cute. an underground ballroom competition series uh-huh. judges. And <laughs> Love Life, a new romantic comedy series starring Anna Kendrick. Sign me up. Uh, n- other new programs that are coming to Crave in the future, though, include the Gossip Girl reboot, Lena Dunham's Generation, Mindy Kaling's The College Girls, uh, Kaylee Cuoco's The Flight Attendant, uh, Denis Villeneuve's do- Dune, The Sisterhood, and one that'll be of most interest to us, uh, Green Lantern by Greg Berlanti. Yeah, so those will be on Crave. Uh, they already have most of the HBO lineup. Um, so if you want the programming that is oh, so, on HBO... Oh, sorry, go ahead. So I guess that means the, the Green Lantern won't be on, like, space or... Well, we'll, well, as, we'll see. That First. is a Bell Media outlet. Yeah. It is a Bell Media outlet. So, uh, But if you want this programming, you need to have the Crave plus Movies plus HBO subscription. Uh, <laughs> Which costs twenty dollars Canadian a month. Yeah. Um, uh, w- one other thing we actually didn't mention uh, that came out a day or two ago was that apparently we're getting a sequel to Labyrinth. Oh, I think I did hear something about that. I have mixed feelings. It's going to be directed by Scott Dickerson, who uh, we last know for directing uh, uh, Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's interesting because we he uh, kind of left uh, Doctor Strange two in in possibly uh, not the greatest of ways. We'll we'll see. Um, but um, it's I don't know. It's uh, like Jen. I have mixed feelings. It's like this is a a sequel that we really don't need. But wow. it's also a property you can do a lot with. Right. So, um, yeah, so I have the the manga series that was, I don't remember when it was published, but a while ago. Uh, it's a four volumes, so you should find it if you can. Um, it's not in print, though, so it might be difficult. <laughs> but anyway, the, the plot you're of the... sending them on a fool's errand. It was a Tokyo Pop me... book. Yeah, and it took me a while to get all four volumes. I um, think I anyways... was with you when you got them. Wasn't it at a fan expo or a Comic-Con? Yes, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so excited. I think I got him for like five bucks. I was like, mm-hmm. yay! So, uh, anyway, so the plot of the, the manga series would be okay for a sequel for The Labyrinth because um, it's, if I remember it correctly, because it's been a while since I read it, uh, it's the plot is Toby 
who was the infant in the movie, uh, becoming the Goblin Prince and going back to the Labyrinth world because the Goblin King wants to re- wants to retire for a reason that I don't want to go into because of the plot, which is very good. Uh, so it's it's the Goblin King, but there's also some other like Gobliny monarchs who are trying to take over the Goblin City. Uh, but anyway, so Toby comes back and he's basically the Goblin Prince. I mean, he doesn't know anything about this world because he was a baby when he was there and quote unquote adopted by the Goblin King. Uh, so I think that um, I think that if uh, they do a reboot of the of the Labyrinth, if they do a, a plot kind of like that, because there's no way that you could replace David Bowie mm-hmm. in any way. Like you can't CGI CGIing him would be awful. You can't have him recast as the goblin king so i think if they did a plot where like the goblin king vanishes and suddenly goblin city has no ruler and you have these warring goblin factions of other monarchs coming in or nobles and toby ends up being part of that i think that would be a really interesting way to continue the story and staying true to the source material yeah i hope i hope they don't do a reboot i hope it's an actual sequel yeah that'd Um, be good yeah yeah it, it like David Bowie's one of those people that like they're they're better off, you know, writing his character out. Yeah, they definitely should. Than than trying to recast him or mm-hmm. you pull a Doctor Who on it and make like a very obvious reason why it's not the same looking character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I I wouldn't recommend that, but like he is a magical being. Like he does turn into an owl, That's so true. you you can play with it a little bit, but it is he he's the first thing you think of when you think of labyrinth. Really, yeah. is it's that followed by all the Muppets, and then occasionally you remember, oh yeah, Jennifer Conley was in that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm this is why I'm I'm. I, I'm I'm a little bit worried about it. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm excited that it would happen because I would love to see a sequel, but I'm worried that they're not gonna they might not do it right. And I I want I have faith that hopefully they will, but I don't want them to be like have somebody who's like an obvious David Bowie lookalike or sound right. alike being like I'm the Goblin King, and you'd be like, no, you're not. You can't be. Yeah. Well, and in the case of 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 the news, just sort of. Uh, leading on to other tangents, did you know Fraggle Rock is back? Yeah, no? it's, uh, uh, what's it on? It's on Apple TV+. Apple? Plus. Yeah. They are doing, they're short episodes. They're like five minutes short. It's called Fraggle Rock, Rock On. Some of the Aww. original puppeteers are back. And it's about social distancing. The doozers <laughs> have set up a video conferencing system so that our, our uh, five main Fraggles can still communicate uh, in a time when they're all separated. Oh, and so uh, it's on Apple TV Plus, but I believe it's available for free on Apple TV. Um, so if you have an Apple device, well, you should, should I, be I believe get. this is a precursor to like a full show that they're planning yes. on doing. Yes, they are planning a full show. Um, the uh, I watched the first episode, and it's got a cute Fraggle song, and the Fraggles are still the Fraggles, and they, you know, it's um, it was cute. It was very cute. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just it's kind of nice to see the Fraggles are back. I always find it odd that that was one of the properties that Henson, like the the Henson people, chose to keep. 
Mm. You know what I mean? When they, they like, granted, yeah, if you're selling off stuff from that company, the Muppets is probably the most money making right. of of the things. But like, it 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 seems odd to me that that was uh, that Fraggle Rock was something that they threw didn't throw in. Right. You know what I mean? But I it, wonder it's, if it's because in America it was an HBO show. Fraggle Rock was. Yes. Yep. We got it on the CBC. It was on broadcast television. I remember watching it at 5.30 on Sunday afternoons right before Wonderful World of Disney. It went Fraggle Rock, yep. World of Disney. But it was very much the last show that we would watch before we would come home from the cottage. Yeah. Aww. But in the States, it was an HBO show. So um, I wonder if that had anything to do with it. So let's go on to our main event, which is a review of She-Ra. Now, we did talk about the the first couple seasons before, but now the, the last season came out a couple weeks ago. And it, it's a little bit newsworthy in some ways. And in other ways, it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For the honor of Grayskull. Um, so, yeah. Which we still um, never see Grayskull. No. But they mention it. Yeah, they well, mentioned they, it a lot, but and they mentioned Eternia. Yes, there was one brief mention of Eternia that I caught. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think it, it, if previous memory serves right, we all liked the show before the last season, like the last time we did oh, sort yeah. of a thorough review mm-hmm. of it, um, and we talked about the like the various things we liked about it. But man, this this last season really pulled out. Kind of all the stops. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I I think it was as much as I really want more. That that Noel Stevenson has come out and said this is this is it. This is all that we're doing. You know, yeah. until dump trucks of money can sometimes change ooh, people's minds. That train load over. <laughs> yeah, but they ended in a way where they could conceivably continue it without it being yes. kind of like a mm-hmm. oh crap we're getting more money. Um um somebody think of a plot. Which yeah. is good, but at the same time, it also ended it like firmly, so that you're not left wondering what happens. Like they, it's she, a good solid end. She with, got to tell the, and her team got to tell like a full story, yeah, from start to finish. Mm-hmm. They, which is, you know, and and granted, they also got like one or two more seasons than your average Netflix show. Yes, it's awesome. It, yeah. Um, so I don't know how to, 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 do we just want to talk about what we really liked in, in this season? I mean, we can, we can kind of talk about about it in news points. We can kind of talk about it in two kind of pieces because there's the She-Ra in space part and then there's the Horde invasion part. Like Mm -hmm. there's almost like the two distinct parts of the season. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can almost talk about it that way if you want to get that nitty-gritty or we could just talk overview well i want to mention that it's not so much a problem with the show but just sort of a disappointment i had with the last season was because of the structure of it and that half of it was in space some of my favorite characters got sidelined a little bit i felt um yes the show is about Adora and um, Bo and Glimmer mostly, but I love Mermista and Perfuma mm. and I love Scorpia. She's my favorite. And they um, they got sidelined a bit because of the nature of the story. And uh, 
that was that's my minor quibble with it. It was all done for story reasons, and uh, everything served the story. But I really would have liked to see a little more Scorpia. I I think I, I agree though, with that Scorpia. They, they still got like she basically got her own episode. Oh yeah, like a, like a, that's the, the one thing. The they I'm did a spy do. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I really like enjoyed. I think there was a fair bit of Mermista and Perfuma because while Adora and Glimmer and Bo were in space, they basically had to run the rebellion. So there was a lot of, I don't want to be in charge. Um, let's have a plan. Oh crap, what about Entrapta? And like there was a lot of, it was a lot of, um, you know, seeing the importance of Adora and Glimmer and Bo with the whole group and how even the group themselves, they were like, well, we're stepping up because we have to, but not because we want to. Yeah. So, I mean, I and I did like that. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> we're going to jump back and forth, but the princesses who got taken over, you do not want Mermista for an enemy. Holy no. moly. She was, like, devastating as a villain. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Was absolutely amazing. Well, when you control water the way she can, just, yeah, you just don't like you flood. Yeah. You're done. Or now drain the part, all the water out of your body. Yeah. yeah. The part that I was a little bit upset about with that was that, you know, in the one episode with Perfuma, um, I can't remember who was saying that Perfuma was weak. Um, but, uh, and Perfuma was like, no, I'm not weak. I have the power of love and that's not a weakness. I had kind of hoped that we would get to see her let go a little bit more, like to defend somebody that she loves, like Scorpia, for example, and that she suddenly just goes like, ape shit and we see like super super powers but mm. she never really got that moment you almost got to that point but then it kind of she was like because they were like you could be the most powerful and i was waiting for them to show that but they never quite got there well she did step up and and definitely like, while the other three were away it really seemed that perfuma was running things like perfuma was in charge she was the most level-headed yeah. and the most and one, the, and one of the few that didn't get taken over yeah, that's yeah. true. That was one of my favorite parts where she's like, "Show me your next." Oh, good, you're you're okay. I don't want to be in charge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I never felt more in touch with that character until that point. <laughs> I I found like I really liked a lot of the secondary and even minor characters this season. Like, not that I don't like Catra and Shira or Adora, whichever version you want to talk about her as, but like. I liked uh, Wrong Hordak. Oh, yeah. Wrong Hordak was great. <laughs> wrong Hordak was great. Yeah. Especially the fact that they called him Wrong Hordak wrong the Hordak. entire time. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, it's Hordak. Oh, nope, it's not. It's Wrong, wrong Hordak. Wrong Hordak. And that's oh, just we, the we magic that is, that's the magic that is in Trapta right there. <laughs> just thought, well, we broke him, so we're responsible for him now. And so we have to take him with us. <laughs> you know who we didn't get enough of, or any of at all, I think, was Kyle. Yeah, I was going to say oh, the threesome he, from the yeah. Horde. Kyle very, shows very up end. very at yeah. the end, but doesn't like have any dialogue. I, the, all three of them do. You see the um, the lizard guy has like uh, a baby in a carrier, I think. Mm. Like it, like in that one shot. And I'm, I was curious like what the idea was with that. I assumed it was a child that he had rescued. Like the, the, they were rescuing the citizens of Etheria. Mm. And that was that that was but i mean i don't know i could be wrong um i was gonna say something else now oh speaking of background characters i really 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 loved that natasa and spinnerella finally got to come to the forefront because mm -hmm. they were background characters for the whole four seasons and i yeah. 
really love the two of them. I love their design. I love their powers. And I really love that you got to see Natasha step up and and be a badass and use her powers a lot and, you know, fight for the woman she loves. Yeah. And uh, the fact that it was she's the one who figured out that Spinarello's being controlled because Spinarella called her uh, beloved, which she never does. And she's like, you're not you're not my wife. And I'm like, ah, it's so cute. So I was really glad to see that. And Spinarella is another one who was like, man, her powers are awesome. Mm-hmm. Where was she this whole entire war? Like, she kicked butt. <laughs> yep, I like them. I was very happy to see them step up. So, question, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Kevin. Okay, question for the group. Uh, slight spoiler for the second to last episode, I think. Do you think that Shadow Weaver is Catra's mother? No. I felt that was implied. No, Sh- Shadow Weaver raised them, but I don't think she was their mother, like yeah. biologically. But she raised both Adora and Catra. It was just that when she took off her mask and we saw her it's, face. And you see her with like kind of cat ears. She had the same kind of ears as Catra. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't did even a, think about that myself. Yeah, because they did a, a, um, a history basically of Shadow Weaver in a previous season where she was growing up on Mysticore. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I don't think that, and Catra's not. I don't think that Catra is related to her biologically. Yeah, okay. I don't think she's a biological mother, but she was definitely kind of like both of oh, their Oh, she moms. was the mother figure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was a horrible relationship. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Like, so, whoa. <laughs> this question is kind of for Jen, because mm-hmm. uh, I thought of this the other day um, in terms of the, the show's themes is... I was thinking that Shira makes a re- in a kind of a strange way makes a really good follow up for younger kids who were fans of uh, My Little Pony because I think it, like because the, a lot of the themes are the same, but now you like the this would be the the next age group part. Yeah, you know what I mean. We've aged out of My Little Pony. And now, like, the, a lot of the themes are kind of similar in terms of friendship and love, but there's a lot more kick-assery <laughs> in it. Uh, I just w- was wondering, is, like, am, uh, is that wrong, you think? or No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that, yeah, there's definitely a lot of similarities in themes of love and friendship and, and stuff like that. But I always see Shira more like Sailor Moon because mm. it's, a dis- mm. it's a definitely a magical girl genre and yeah. it's i think when the original shira came out it was like they saw what was happening in japan maybe and it was like well let's do a north american version of the magical girl genre <clears throat> and you know with he-man and all that but uh I, I yeah i i see a lot more ties with sailor moon and, and other kind of anime like that well um, no, i don't know how old she is exactly but noel noel stevenson is in that right age group where anime would have been pretty accessible yeah. to her as uh, as a child to teenage years. Yeah, like every time Shira transforms in this, I was like, "Oh, it's a Sailor Moon transformation," and it is. If you watch the transformation of Sailor Moon of, of uh, Usagi into Sailor Moon and watch the transformation of Adora into Shira, it is very similar. Sailor Moon's is a lot longer. But it is like the background, the music, yeah. the way she moves. It's very, very Sailor Moon, which I absolutely adore. 
Noel Stevenson is only 28. Yeah, ah, so with the like anime <laughs> would have been very available to her on TV shows, she like on like Toonami in the States and stuff like that. And she would have also been okay. So how how old is Last Air- Airbender at this point? Because that would be the other show that I could see a direct kind of like correlation to in terms of storytelling and animation and ideas. Avatar The Last Airbender came out in... No idea. 2005. Yeah, so she would have been... like She would have been 14. 14, so that, w- that would have... And she, I would assume you being a comic book person and animation person, she was a bit of a nerd, so it would have hit her in that creative sweet spot. Yep. Um... It's, so I, I I don't know how to bring this up other than a sort of joking manner okay. is uh, let's talk about the uh, the leftist evil agenda that is in the show. <laughs> well, first, before we get to that, I wanted to ask what everybody thought of the costume change. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. that she got pants. Yes, I, I liked her new costume. But as as the first time she changed into it, I was like, see, that, that's, a, that's a better outfit. Yeah. More practical, and it looks really cool. So I bet you Jen wants a figure of that. Yeah, oh why God, didn't I we do. get more toys with this? Wait, wait, I want to talk I... about the costume more. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, you can't Jen. can't just gloss over her awesome costume like that. <laughs> I know so, exactly where you're going, too. I know you do, because I said it when, I, when she first showed up. <laughs> we were watching it together. But, like, the first costume and her new costume i was like she's got pants it's a high cut you know she's covered she's it's practical she's not wearing heels she's not wearing a bra she's not wearing a thong you know it's well she might be you don't know that well exactly that's the whole point she might be but you don't know it's it's such a relief and i know it's geared towards younger kids so it's more modest anyway but it's so nice to see the female leads not dressed up like you know like sexual figures for lack of a better term like the original shira as much as i loved it wore this tiny little skirt and basically a bathing suit Mm -hmm. and it's so nice to see characters where they're clothed practically like if you're gonna be a warrior you want big ass kicking boots you don't want to wear stilettos that's stupid if you're gonna be doing (laughs) kicks and jumps and runs and you know battling you you don't want you want to be wearing pants (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's just smart. <laughs> and I mean, I know some of the other princesses uh, are wearing more of the traditional girly uh, bathing suit style, but they're still all covered. Like there's not a lot of exposed flesh. There's not, it's nothing is revealing. And I know it's also because they're younger, but it's it's just, I was so relieved to see that her transformation um, into the quote unquote more mature Sailor Moon or uh, Shira didn't mean that she got less clothing. It just means she got more clothing. And I was like, man, freaking tastic. Okay, that was my rant. <laughs> so, we can talk about toys now. Yeah, why didn't this. Ryan, why do you think that. It, do you think it was just the nature of the deal? It's like, yeah, why, I think it's... why didn't Mattel jump on this and do a, a line of figures? Well, my, th- my first thought is they probably didn't think it was going to be, you know, going to be worth it when it mm. first started 
And by the time, you know, if you think about it, we got five seasons in in less was it less than the five than five years? Like, did we get yes. one? Of, Oh, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, it started so, in uh, 20, uh, 2018. So we got five yeah. seasons in three years. Yeah. So the turnaround time is on toys, as Brent, you know, they, like you know, that's, you know, from concept to sculpt to figure can, mm. can take some time. Um, like we did get those few, like, con exclusive ones, you know, I guess probably that first year. Yeah, there was those but, two six inch figures. And then no. there, there was yeah. the the dolls that Jen managed to grab a couple. Yeah, I'm on the this the Shira and the Princesses of Power fandom page, their wiki page. Yeah. So Super Seven released two, uh, I guess, plastic figures: one of Adora, yep. well, one of Shira, one of Catra. And then for the Mattel for the Mattel dolls, I have a Shira and a Glimmer, but they also did uh, a Shira with Swiftwind, a Bow, a Catra, Adora. And then there was a Shadow Weaver 2018 uh, New York New York Comic Con exclusive that I really wanted, yeah. um, but that's it. That's it for well, merchandise. Yeah. So my guess is, so they did the dolls because it's a girls' show. You got to do do. It's got to be dolls, and it probably didn't sell well. Well, we never got them for one. Well, yeah, we and only, that's not, only Target, and yeah. and that's kind of been the way. Like, one of the problems with a lot of newer cartoons. That don't have an established, they don't, that, you know, that, like, uh, well, perfect example, Young Justice. When Young Justice oh, first well, yeah. aired, we had two seasons of it. There were some okay ish toys. We never saw them in stores in Canada. Mm. And then they complained that the, when they canceled the show, part of it was the saying that the lack of toy sales. Because it was meant to be, well, this is a comic book show. We sell toys. If you don't sell toys with it, then yeah. there's no point in having the show. But so they they complained about a the down a lack of numbers of of sales. But then the product was hard to find. It was never around. There was nowhere you could find it. Mm. I think the first uh, one of the only times I saw something remotely other than toy shows, one of the liquidators had some of the, the, the yeah. small two-packs, like the three and three-quarter-inch figure two-packs that were shitty anyway, but... Yeah, on a, on a side note, McFarland Toys, if you're listening, there's a run of figures you can do. <laughs> Although, young, any, ju- young Justice. Oh, if, any, yeah, if, if anybody out there has the rest of the Mattel dolls, I want them. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll take a... Uh, We'll go from the consumerism aspect to the uh, the, the what I was jokingly referring to as the uh, the left the gay wing, agenda. yeah, pushing the gay agenda. So mm-hmm. in previous seasons, we saw that Bo had two dads. Yeah, um, we did They're see so that. Uh, oh, their names are escaping me. The the ones you just mentioned, Jen, who were married. Spinnerella um, and Natasha. Yeah, and Natasha. Net Tassa, that tosses nets. Nets. Yeah, net toss. They all have stupid names like names. that. I know. I love it. Just and like your He-Man. So, Fisto. in this, yeah, in this season, we got uh, the the culmination of the storyline with Shira and Katra being that they were in love with one another, which made sense. It wasn't out Yay. of the blue. And we get a a kissing moment. 
as well, which is, you know, a little different for a more or less mainstream cartoon. It's not uh, the only say reason I say more or less is because it's on Netflix and not like a cable station or mm, a regular yeah, TV. It's not on, yeah, it's not on yeah, it, or, it, It's yeah. more of a reflection of where it's available of as opposed to the, the content we're in. Yeah. Uh, knowing you guys well enough, we, I, none of us had any problems with it. The I'm whole assuming. last episode, I was like, kiss her, kiss her, kiss mm-hmm. her. I'm crying out loud. Just kiss her. And then they kissed I, and I went, yay! <laughs> I, just to, I was surprised to see it because it was one of those things I just figured they won't, you know, yeah, uh, it's not going to happen. It's going to leave us hanging on this whole thing of their of the two of them or at the very least, you know, we'll get the whole, you know, they'll tell each other how they feel and that'll be as far as they and go. Like maybe they'll hold hands type of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I did so, like the future flash that we got. Me too. I yeah. wanted all of that outfit too. That was nice. Yeah, so Movie Bob on the the big picture on YouTube pointed out two things that I thought were really kind of awesome about it. Is one, um there's no closet in this cartoon. Like that was one of the things that kind of made that that whole scene one work and two was kind of awesome in terms of the context of it is, you know, as proven by other seasons, you don't have to be in the closet. Like in, in Shira, there is no closet to be in. You yeah, can right. be gay, straight, uh, transgender, and a, yeah. just everybody. Talking a horse, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Which is <laughs> kind of awesome. Yeah. Yeah, talking horse as well. Yeah. <laughs> And the the other thing that he he kind of mentioned was the the fact that it didn't do like what Ryan w- said. Like uh, it pointed out, like Legend of Korra, for instance, hints at it, but the best you get is like the the main character and a female character holding hands at the end of the show, and it's like all shadowy and you can barely tell who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this was like just open and directive, like these characters love one another, which yeah. is. Hooray. I I wonder if this show, like, I know it did well for Netflix, but I wonder if this is one of those shows that will keep being brought up for the the next decade, maybe even two, of kind of how important this will be to other creative folk in the future. You know I what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can see it being a touchstone, like, as a, uh, for, for uh, acceptance and openness. Mm-hmm. And I think I hope so. Of, I think part of what works with it as well is that it's good. Yeah. Like none of it. None of it is forced it, it, uh, for just like shock value or anything. It's all part of the story. It's all well put together. The animation's really good. The uh, the same with the the there was the online contingent when uh, of trolls when the show first started of like oh they don't they don't look like women anymore they're all oh, like, bicycle shorts on whereas see my previous rant yeah <laughs> whereas the not only that is the they they do look like women they're women of different shapes and sizes all yes. the way around which is yeah. because people weirdly enough different shapes and sizes <laughs> what and the other thing is that you know, these characters are not on the screen to be sexualized or sexual figures in any shape, way, shape, or form. No. That is not, there is a, a strong undercurrent of love in the show, but it is not strictly a sexual, it's not even a sexual love. It's like a, 
uh, it's romantic. It's a romantic love. It's a yeah. it's a friendship love. It's like yes, they kiss, but that's about it. There's like yeah. So I mean, it doesn't. Ma- and in that case, you know, it's not sexual, so it doesn't matter what they. Well, I mean, they're not designed to look overly sexualized, which is another thing that I love. I love this show. <laughs> Do you think now they've said this is this is it, but. Do you think we get something in the future? Like a I continuation really so. of it of some sort? I think it's done with these creators. I'm not saying we're never going to see She-Ra again, but I think um, I think these creators have told the story they want to tell. And, and I'm fine with that. 52 episodes is a good run. Mm. Yeah. I could see them coming back and doing maybe like a 90-minute you know, like extended episode, like one. The She-Ra Christmas special. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you know Christmas what? Specials are great. They're but I mean, like they're... their type of creative. I could see them doing that <laughs> and doing something really fun with it. Well, especially like the way they've ended it. They ended it. Everything got tied up and it's fine, but they left it with just enough openness that it, things could continue. Mm-hmm. Like you get when they finally talk to real Hordak, and he sees Adora, and he's like, I remember you, and we get a flash to the past with him holding on to her as a baby. Yes. I was hoping like, that right there would have been a perfect time to show, even if it was a quick, like, you know, yeah, like him snatching her from wherever mm-hmm. she came from. And then that could have been a hint at, you know, the one thing I wanted to see this season that we never got my only disappointment from the show is that they didn't expand into the greater masters of the universe universe. But they other did than, leave it open, which I yeah, enjoyed. Yeah, other than the, the name drop of Eternia. Mm-hmm. I I would so love to see this team take on He-Man. Yeah. <laughs> now we know that's not probably going to happen just due to the there's what Kevin two projects yeah and there's something else too and another there? Netflix a different Netflix animated He Man yeah 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 I think so like the the Kevin Smith one is supposedly a direct continuation of the original TV series so yeah or at least that a continuation of that universe yeah so yeah that definitely doesn't add to this era no part of me wonders if the other He Man project is is attached to it, but I'm not getting my hopes up either. Yeah. I think it it would be neat if, if they managed to tie a new He-Man into this. I'm like saying, have that team do a He-Man show separate. Yeah. Much like She-Ra, give them five seasons and then have like Noel figure out how to tie the two together. Could make it. Here you go. You make it so that He-Man take that, the, the, the two of them technically took place at the same time. You end that five seasons of He-Man to line up with the end of She-Ra, and all of a sudden, you know, maybe that maybe they start fighting the Horde in He-Man, and all of a sudden the Horde falls, and they don't understand why. And as part of She-Ra's adventures off to bring magic to the universe, they show up. Well, and just the different characters, like this team of writers. Handling a character like Ram Man, I want to see their take on Skeletor. Yeah, you know, as as great as this sounds, I don't think 
politically that that Noelle Stevenson wants to tackle male characters, right? Like she's a a, a creator who has spent her life uh, working with female characters, and Shira is is um, is all. Th- is all about female characters, yeah. whereas yeah. He-Man oh, is yeah. not. And oh, just no. the name He-Man, you know, has connotations that I don't know if if these creators would want to tackle. No, that's a, that's a very valid point, and especially like the amount of flack that they kind of got doing uh, all female set of characters, mm-hmm. and and like. I, I can like I already like I saw it off the bat is like oh you know and th- that certain portion of people is like throffing at the chomping at the bit for the Kevin Smith version of these characters. Yeah. It, it, which I'm not saying is going to be good or bad. It's just going to be a very very different tone than what Noel Stevenson and her team put out. But. So overall, I think we can all agree that it's worth your time to sit down and watch all five seasons. Yes. Oh, yes. All at, all at once if you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch the whole thing all over again all at once. <laughs> and hey, oh. if uh, Mattel is listening and wants to bring back Maddie Collector to put out some figures to go along with this, I, I, I'm down to buy a Seahawk. I want right a Scorpia and a Mermista. And I want Queen Glimmer, and I want Natasa and Spinnerella. I want them all. <laughs> were Were you guys surprised at all that uh, Queen Angela never returned in season five? No, I didn't think she would. No, it, it kind of moots her sacrifice. Yeah, if she does. I mean, it was that was very sad. Was <laughs> and then you know sad. they they already made Glimmer the new queen. Like, what's what's going to happen if all of a sudden Angela shows up again? It's like, uh. Well, weird what way happens now that their, fa- their father's back? Yeah. Oh, I think she's still queen. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, think Eternia is a royalty. matriarchy. Yeah. He's like yeah. a Prince Philip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. Ooh. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. And like every episode, we have our geek picks. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Just trying to wake All my right. computer up. There it is. Uh, so I read another comic on Hoopla. Hoopla. I downloaded and read Star Trek: The Next Generation, Mirror Broken, and it was the uh, so it's uh, the Mirrorverse uh, story of using the next gen characters though. Uh, so it's pretty good. It's uh, you know it's a graphic novel. I remember we talked about it, Brent. The uh, the free it comic was, book uh, day, free comic book comic day, yeah. when it came out. And how we both were intrigued by it and wanted to read it. Uh, so I finally did. And uh, it's a good comic. I, I enjoyed it. So I would recommend it. You know, the, the characters are drawn well. I think it's kind of a uh, like a painted style. Uh, so semi-realistic. And uh, so, you know, you recognize who they are. You can kind of hear their voices as if they were like, you know... A little bit of a twisted version of themselves, like the Mirrorverse uh, is, and uh, you know, I, I always find those Mirrorverse stories interesting to see what what's going on in the Mirrorverse and at what points. And uh, at this point in the Mirrorverse, uh, the humans have been, uh, I guess, there were changes made to the Empire, and they got defeated and pushed back into the Soul System, and uh, 
Picard's unhappy with this and uh, hatches a plan to try to get some more power and, uh, you know, expand the Empire. So, yeah, I would recommend finding it and reading it. Cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Next. Well, um, I've got two things I want to talk about quickly. One of my very, very early geek picks was Star Trek Online. And since I've got a new laptop, I've started playing again. Uh, I created a new character. And um, whereas I was playing like original series timeline, and I think that was sort of like the um, newest upgrade pack that was available back when I was playing the first time, I'm playing a next-gen era, or a post-next-gen era character in this. I did a mission where I had to fight some Borgs, and uh, yeah, and now I'm doing a mission where I've got to um, escort a a Vulcan ambassador to a monastery planet, but he may not be a Vulcan. So that's kind of... Yeah, I know, it's very exciting. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention is a show that is on Disney+. Plus. I think the whole series dropped couple of weeks ago it's called prop culture have you seen this oh, brent yeah we told you about it oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i yeah, knew i heard about have... it from a reliable source Search. yeah no it was us uh, we're reliable uh i think we i don't think we've watched one or two of the episodes but we've seen a couple i've watched the first two the first one was about mary poppins mm. and the scene where he gives the <clears throat> the jacket back to the actress who played um, Jane Banks was quite touching, I thought. And the second episode is about Tron, and he uh, he brings Bruce Boxleitner his white lycra costume from Tron. I didn't realize very fragile. Yeah, I didn't realize that the live actors in Tron were filmed in black and white, yep. so that they could uh, put all the that fake color on over top. I thought that was cool. interesting. Learned a lot about Tron from watching that episode. So yeah, prop culture on Disney Plus. And DuckTales. Keep watching DuckTales. It's so good. Yes. Yeah, we're we're almost done season two, which means we can do a full wrap-up of the uh, the first two seasons of the show when uh, when we're done. Sounds that good. might be DuckTales that might so be our next regular episode because I got a, I got a lot to talk about on that show. All of it oh good. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> it, it's pretty awesome. All right, Jen, your geek pick. Um, I watched the first couple episodes of The Great on Amazon Prime. Um, so this is a TV show sort of about Russia's Catherine the Great. Oh, I heard um, about this show, yes. So they say that, you know, it's it's kind of very loosely based on historical fact, but it's mostly yeah. just pure entertainment, so I'm not even bothering with the history of it, which is odd for me. I'm just enjoying the show. So basically, it's about uh, Catherine the Catherine L. Fanning is plays L. Catherine, who is yeah. um, uh, sent from Prussia, I think, to marry the Russian emperor. And she's very innocent and naive in the first couple of episodes. You know, she thinks she's going to have great love and loyalty, and it's going to be all beautiful and wonderful. And uh, <laughs> Nicholas Holt plays the emperor, Emperor Peter. And um, he's basically a 10-year-old in a full-grown man's body. He's an asshole, and he's mm-hmm. mean, and he's crass, and, you know, he he's, he's not very bright. And he's basically the antithesis to Catherine. So, I mean, it says right in the trailer that, you know, 
one of Catherine's maids says to her, you know, if there's no heir and the emperor dies, Russia goes to the empress. And so the the show, well, so far, because the show's I've only watched three episodes, the show is about Catherine, this naive empress, trying to plot a coup, but she's not <laughs> great at it. <laughs> so it's definitely got some funny moments. It's, it's, Here, stand on this X. Yeah. Don't look up. <laughs> it, it's definitely got some humor. Um, and it's got a fair bit of, of uh, I guess, period piece, but it's it's very good, and I'm quite enjoying it. So if you have Amazon Prime and you like history, <laughs> you should try watching The Great. Cool. There you go. I guess that leaves down to me. It does. So I've got two, um, one of which isn't even out yet. how dare you yeah so i backed a kickstarter called maddie once upon a time in the future it's a graphic novel that's going to be coming out sometime around november written by duncan jones who uh is the writer director behind moon and mute and uh the warcraft movie he is, but I kind of like to point out like his own merits. Well, I just <laughs> was thinking that could that could tie into our labyrinth talk. If you yeah, actually, actually, on a side note, so he tweeted at Scott Dickerson that he was available to reprise his role of, of short goblin on the right. He's, like, yes, he's, in, he's one of the goblins in one of the background shots of it or something of the original. <laughs> And uh, it's a, it, this project is co-written by uh, Alex DeCampi, who has done, uh, she's worked on some 2000 AD stuff. She did uh, uh, Predator vs. Archie. <laughs> she's, oh, I love that she, book. She's a pretty solid writer on a whole. So what this graphic novel is, is it's the third uh, thing to take place in what is revealed referred to as the Mooniverse. <laughs> so Moon and Mute both take place in the same universe, but they're not like direct sequels to one another. Hmm. And it's a uh, graphic novel about basically a veteran from a like a f- sci-fi futuristic war unit that they're in this weird cycle of debt because they have these cybernetics that make them into like these awesome super soldiers, but they have to pay off the the British conglomerate that owns the uh, owns the implants. So they do like that. They become a mercenary group, but each time they take on these missions, they get like shot the shit and everything, and they're just back at like debt square one because they got to get repaired or more implants or a new arm and stuff like that. So the team takes a uh, like an off the books gig, like you know, like that last final score to get them out of the mm-hmm. out of debt, and that's where you, I guess the story will continue. The, cool. It's a whole whack of artists are working on it, including Glenn Fabry, Duncan uh, Begrito, Simon Beasley's working on it. Uh, Pia Guerrero, RM uh, Guerrero, who was on uh, Scalped with Jason Aaron, That's like, great book. like it's like the it's like an all star lineup of really solid comic book artists too. And for like I think my pledge is 
thirty nine US for a hardcover, so it comes out to it'll be with shipping it'll be fifty, sixty bucks for two hundred and sixty page hardcover. Oh, that's, that's not bad. That's pretty solid. Plus, like, they blew their their goals out of the water. Like their original goal was sixty eight thousand. They're at like three hundred and seventy two. Well, so, when you've got a creative team like that that you just mentioned, yeah. So like, there's going to be like a bunch of stretch goals. So like a couple posters and patches and uh, temporary tattoos and like the script downloads and stuff like that. So. I'm getting a, a good chunk for my money, and like the the interesting thing is, is they have stated in it that they're not planning on doing a digital version, at least not for the oh. Kickstarter. Oh. It, it might be available later on, but initially it's not going to be. So uh, you can, uh, as of this recording, so it'll probably have around ten. Uh, about 15 to 10 days left when this episode airs. So if you're interested, go to Kickstarter and look up uh, Maddie once upon a time in the future. And my last pick is I pick up the latest issue of Avengers today, number 33, mm-hmm. which is the start nice. of the Age of Conchu storyline. So it's kind of neat that um, Jason Aaron... And uh, an artist named Javier uh, Garon are picking up the threads from uh, somebody else's work, Jeff Lemire's run on Moon Knight. And basically what's happening is, uh, at least in the first issue, Moon Knight is attacking members of the Avengers in order to get kind of power-ups to (laughs) apparently fight the devil. And so, it, which I'm assuming means Mephisto, because he seems to be kind of like right now in Aaron's run, he is the in working in the background bad guy. But like he takes on it, like Moon Knight takes on uh, Iron Fist and kicks the shit out of him. Uh, is is Moon Knight a regular member of this team at this time? No, no, he's not. Okay. Basically, the start of the story is. Um, Kind of an iron fisty version of Moon Knight showing up in Kung Lung and like beating the crap out of Iron Fist and then stealing his power. Oh shit! Yeah, and like I'm not giving away anything because that's in like the uh, the preview pages that are currently out there. But like he he fights Thor and really gives it to Thor and a couple of the other characters and no. it's like. I really want to see where this is going. Is there something in this issue about the origin of Mjolnir or something? Yes. Um, okay. I saw that headline today. It's uh, it's not really... So, basically, Mjolnir has been made out of Ur, I guess. U-R-R-E yeah. is the material that it's made out of. Well, in this issue, uh, Moon Knight uh, explains that that's made out of like that metal is made from chunks of the other moon that used to circulate around earth and then blew up. Hmm. So it's his, and that's part of how uh, moon Knight kicks Thor's ass. Interesting. It's really, the setup in this one issue is really interesting and I can't wait to see where it goes beyond that. (laughs) 
because uh, and like uh, you know loyal listeners are probably quite aware of my love for the moon knight so <laughs> speaking of which if uh, i might have to bug any american ones who happen to be listening and live near walgreens <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, there a, is there a Moon Knight exclusive at Walgreens? Uh, coming out coming soon. soon. Yeah, and it's the, um, the it's the version you and I grew up with, Kevin. Oh. Like that that look, complete with he has two heads. So one is like the white hood, white like face mask. Mm-hmm. But the second one is the white hood and like the the all black. Like you know how he used to be sort of portrayed in. Um, uh, West Coast Avengers, yeah, like it, like it in shadow kind of thing. It's that head. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> On a retro '90s classic Spider-Man card back. No, apparently that one's not part of that line after all. They just announced it as part of it. I thought they showed it in package though. In that package. No, the, the the packaging that I've seen since is just the standard Marvel Legends stuff, which oh, I could have okay. sworn I saw in the retro stuff too, but. Maybe they've walked that back for some reason because it's mm. an exclusive. Maybe. Yeah. But uh, that's it for this episode of True North Nerds. Uh, next episode, uh, I think we'll probably dive into DuckTales. Yay! Ooh. Woo! Okay, I'm putting this down <laughs> as a now. You all, each one of you gets one that episode. Never. No. One. That's it. How are you going to enforce that rule, really? Yeah, I'll <laughs> hang up on you on the call. Because, <laughs> wow, that show is so good. It's really great. It's fantastic. Yeah, so, yep. so, and the first two seasons are on Disney+. Plus. Yep, so you have time to catch up. And uh, I don't know when the third season will drop. but It's, well, it's, it's airing on, on Disney right Channel now, right so. now. Oh, okay. I can watch it on Rogers on Demand. So yeah. I may watch ahead. Oh, you jerk. <laughs> you know what, Kevin? What's I that? may join you in that. Uh, I may Episode. do that myself. <laughs> Let's see. Are all the episodes available on On Demand? Hmm. The, Disney Channel, the, the Disney Channel app ones. doesn't work all that well, but let's no. see. Anyway. Yeah, uh, so we will see you in two weeks. There may be some bonus content in between here and there. Um, and uh, if there is, it will show up in your feed. So thank you very much for listening, and we will see you then. Sounds Bye. good. Bye. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at True North Nerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us.